This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, your host from Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Today we're coming from the 2009 Ringler Associates Annual Meeting out here in sunny Newport Beach, California. And I can tell you it's a lot sunnier than where I came from in New England, but uh, the U.S. economy, as we know, has not been very sunny lately. It's been slammed by scandals, bailouts, and a housing collapse. This has affected the way we all live, and I think it's pretty safe to say that most people today are living on a much tighter budget. Well, today on Ringler Radio, we're talking about structured settlements and the economic meltdown. We're going to put our annuity structured settlement product up against the current state of the economy. And in this show, we'll look at the state of the economy, how people's expectations compared to back in the 90s, and how we all need to have hope during these hard times. And to help me sort through all this is my colleague and co-host for today, Bill Wakeley, Settlement Annuity Specialist in our Philadelphia office. Bill has over 15 years of claims management, financial, and structure settlement experience. He's been involved in negotiations and settlement of claims via the use of structured settlements exclusively since 1991. He's also responsible for designing, negotiating, contracting structured settlements for the resolution of medical malpractice, general and product liability, automobile and workers' compensation claims. That's a pretty impressive list, Bill. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate that. Very good. And I hope I can remember all that. Of course, that doesn't mean because the Phillies won last year, they're going to win this year. It does not, but we're going to, you know, it only happens about every 20 years in Philadelphia, <laughs> so we're pretty happy well, with Well, I that. think that's going to feed right into our economic discussion about these cycles. And also joining us today is a returning guest and one that we love having on the show, Dr. Christopher Coyne from St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. Nice to be back with you guys. Great, Chris. And Chris, is it true? I mean, I heard this uh, from somebody, and I'm not sure it's true. I heard that the the hawk that flaps around at basketball games at St. Joe's, he actually gets a scholarship from St. Joe's. Is that true? Yeah, it is. That's amazing. Uh, that's a great thing. Can, can, I, they, can, they've put him up as, as one of the top mascots and all that. It's nice exposure. You now, know? Can, can I apply for that job? Or, or sure. That... You have to be in good shape. you, you got to <laughs> flap your arms the entire game without stopping. That's well, exactly right. You know, that and, exactly and you, smack right. an, you smack an owl every once in a while. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty cool. Well, here's a clip of Chief Economist Naraman Baravish discussing the state of the economy. It's hard being optimistic right now. It's looking really bad for the U.S. and the world economies. I mean, I think the U.S. recession, the one we're in the middle of right now, is probably going to be the worst, if not the worst, one of the worst in the post-war period. The worst, actually, in that period was the 1957 recession. It was a very deep, very short recession. Um, this looks like it might be the second deepest. I mean, the way the numbers are shaping up. Uh, so, pretty bad. And let's put this in context. The unemployment rate, which is 6.7%, the last reading, probably go up to 9 maybe 9.5%. So that's a big rise. Well, Dr. Cohen, we've heard so many stories about people losing so much of their life savings. Is there any good news to report on the economic front? And in a nutshell, give us your take 
on the state of the economy right now? Well, yes and no. I, I, it, it's always easy to, to be a gloom merchant, and, and uh, there's, there's enough bad news around. But by the same token, um, there are a couple different things that come into play. One, they do studies on these things, and they find that when something becomes a major news piece, especially like economic news and things like that, the market, you know, those sort of things, that by and large, we've, we've passed the, the major event at that point. That when the, the more uninformed people become informed, it's already too late. And I, I, I admit that I'm an optimist, but I, I think that uh, if we're not close to the end, we've come through the end, one or, one or the other. I really do believe that. A uh, colleague in Philadelphia at another institution said the other day that the economy, that's the businesses and all that, uh, is, is not as bad as it was in the early 80s. So even though this is a pretty bad situation, it, it's not... Certainly not the Great Depression, and I always enjoy listening to people that make those comparisons. It's kind of a, amusing to me. But it, it's not as bad. And, and the other side of it is that, you know, we have two sides. The other side of it is that financial crisis. And I think people have to distinguish between those two events. The financial crisis has its own situation, circumstances, and consequences. It is not necessarily as much of an impact on the economy. It can. It can leak over because of credit and businesses needing credit and using credit. But the economy is is not in too bad shape. So in, in kind of a, a general sense, that would be my take on things. So, uh, Chris, if you had to sit here and, and – you know, make a guess or, or not even a guess, but just kind of give a, a, a gut evaluation. Do you think or do you foresee things getting better or worse in the, in the, I guess, the near future is the best way to define it? Well, again, I think the near future, you're still looking at the, the catch-up type effects, you know. I, I mean, I think part of the uh, unemployment was a catch-up event. You know, people recognize that the uh, end-of-year sales weren't going to happen the way they were, uh, all those kinds of things. And what do you do? You have to get rid of the employees. So I, I think that's what you're seeing. You're going to have to continue to have that kind of wash-through, but that doesn't mean that we're on the downward slope. I, I just think it's a catch-up event, and we'll start to move forward. Uh, second quarter, possibly. Yeah, by the mid-year, I, I would think. I would think. Well, you know, it's funny, you know, the automobile industry has always been like the bellwether of the economy. It, it kind of tells you where you're going. And uh, Toyota just came out with the first, the first loss they've ever had since 1950. I mean, right. that, 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 that's, I think this, that puts this in a, in a, maybe a little bit different context this time. Uh, you, you talked about how the 1980s, uh, the, the beginning of the 80s were bad compared to now. You know, I, I always sense that those 80s were bad, but they also were coming off of the 70s, which were not that good. Right. This, this time, we're, we were coming off the, the booming 90s. We, we came off the big highs and all this credit. You know, we're like drunken on, we're drunk on credit. And now this, this crash seems a lot tougher. Is but that's why. Mm -hmm. I, I, the point that you make is, is an excellent point. The, the problem that people are encountering is because things have been so good for so long. You look at the last downturn in the economy. When was it? 
2000, late 2000, 2001, right. 2002. And people always point to the uh, terrorist attack, the World Trade Center and all that. It actually occurred a little bit before then, and we were pulling out of it shortly after that. Well, you know, that's a good point, Chris. I mean, we talked about that before, that people, you know, as as Larry said, the, the booming 90s or whatever you right. want to call it, people had very high expectations. Yeah. So, you know, how does that state we're in today compared to that high expectation well, environment? You know, it's, it's, again, very interesting. I mean, again, you know, I teach, and teaching the students in the 90s about investments, what did they learn? Uh, everything goes up. Teaching students in the you know, the, the uh, aughts about investing. What do they learn? There's a lot of risk in the market. Which opportunity would you rather grow up with? Yeah, it's nice to make all that money, but if you never learn about what risk is all about. And we actually had a, a department meeting yesterday, and we talked about this. And, and the comment that my colleagues in the department made is that risk is visceral. Risk is a feeling. Risk is not... A, a concept, a logical concept that people can grab onto, they need this kind of an event. Things have been so good for so long. This is, this is the real wake-up call. You know, this is that, that sudden splash of very, very cold water that there's no way around. And that's what people are responding to. Well, interestingly, we talk about this event and, and the way this economy is, is crashed. How do you see all of those events affecting the structured settlement industry? Well, I mean, Bill probably has some historical, or, you know, some recent uh, empirical data, but, but from a, a conceptual behavioral yes, perspective, mm-hmm. I could actually see two different things happening. Uh, and maybe it's a long-term, short-term type of situation. I could actually see people uh, cashing in annuities right now because they're hard-pressed and they need money and, and they feel that this big payout is the solution to their problem. I don't believe that to be the case. I don't think that's a wise move. But I could see people doing that. But as I mentioned with the investment situation and risk and all that, people that are growing up through this and then have to make a decision later on about whether they take an annuity or whether they take the lump sum and manage it, would probably be much more inclined to take that annuity and and cut down on the risk. You know, this this is very similar to the attitude that the Depression era people developed as a consequence of going through that, you know? Well, that's true. I mean, you know, let's talk about that for a little bit. Uh, let's talk about our business overall compared to other industries. You know, how are we doing? I thought you were supposed to answer that. Well, here's, <laughs> how are you doing? You know, I, I mean, I guess here's my answer to that, Chris. If, if if I want to jump in there and ask that, and and you know, I look at I look at structured settlements. We've talked about this last year. We did you know those three shows on on unique investors and what it is to be a unique investor. The whole concept of unique investor, you know, kind of puts forth that that premise that these people have unique financial circumstances. They have unique physical circumstances. They have needs that are, that have to be addressed in a very specific manner over a very specific period of time. So if you think of it in those terms, you know, whether the economy is booming or whether there's a, a bust in the economy, those unique investors' needs are still the same. Absolutely. I mean, well, does know, that make sense? That, it does yeah. make sense, but you know, look at the economic crisis, okay? You would think 
that our product, guaranteed annuity income at a tax-free rate of return, that, that should be pretty attractive, uh, especially when you talk about state-regulated life insurance companies with you know uh, regulated surplus positions. You know, very solid, uh, very solidly regulated industry. Why isn't the structured settlement industry booming then in, in such a risky investment environment? What do you sense, Chris, from, from your expertise? You would think that we would be, go, you know, fl- the flight to quality and the flight to security. I, 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 but I agree, Larry. But I, I think that would be for people getting into a structured settlement right now. For people that have a structured settlement, uh, I think, again, they're as affected by the economic crisis as anybody else. And here's a solution to their problem. Again, as I said, I don't think it's a good solution. You mean, you could, mean cashing in the annuity yes, for, for yes, a lump sum? Yes. But wouldn't they, wouldn't they typically just dissipate that lump sum and be in a worse position? That's my point. Yeah. Right. But, right. But, you know, the, 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 they, are, they are so pushed as a consequence of everything that that's not the side they choose to look at. I mean, that's, that's, this comes, again, back to the behavioral aspects. You know, what we, uh, one of the uh, topics we talked about in an earlier program, um, people in that situation, I'm sure, have a great deal of difficulty coming to grips with the loss of their abilities and their control and things of that sort. And it's easy to see, especially when you have the market advancing as it was, especially when you hear the return on the S&P over a 75-year period is on average 12%. Well, it's hard to turn around and say, yeah, I'll take seven. So, you you know, you, you have that. I mean, it does make some sense from a behavioral perspective. And again, largely because things were so good. Things just ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. Well, well, thinking of that, Chris, how would you advise your clients? And let's say they're, they're in a in a situation now where they are that unique investor. Well, I would strongly urge them to consider, even at this point, if not a complete annuity, certainly a large part of the annuity. I mean, we've seen what failure can do. We've we've felt. When they always talk about the roller coaster, you know, we felt the roller coaster of risk. Here it is. And once you get that fear, that's not going to go away soon. And people are willing to give up the the opportunity for a greater return to satisfy that condition of fear. Well, you, you, you look know, at Japan, if I just mention this very sure. quickly. Um the Japanese we have a lot savers. of Japanese clients, as a matter of fact. Well, the Japanese are savers, and and studies show that the Japanese are willing to accept a negative real rate of interest. A real rate of interest is the rate that's offered on the investment minus inflation. They are willing to take a negative real rate of interest simply because the money is safe in the bank. So, you know, people do engage in these behaviors that, that once they have that sense of risk and what it's about, that can dominate and overwhelm people and, and push them in that direction. Well, you know, you're, you're raising a good point because I had a situation personally just recently where a claimant was sitting at a table with, with her mother and she opted against all of my better efforts to split up this 
substantial amount of money into about 10 different pieces and put it in 10 different banks because she wanted the FDIC. And she yep. believed that was the safest place. Yep. And, and her and her her mother, who was about 75 at the table, she literally wanted to put the money in a tin can and put it in the ground. I mean, she, she was yep. coming from a different perspective. Yep. So what do you say to a claimant who's being told by financial advisors that you can do better by not accepting a structure. I mean, I'm not talking about these people who want to put it in the ground, but there are financial people in another situation I could talk about that were saying, don't put it in the structure, even with that rate. You can do better with other in another investment scenario. Well, what, there, what is that? What, what well, are you telling them? There, there, you know, I, I, at this point, I would like to know what that other investment is. That would be my first question. Right. But, you know, I mentioned again, the rate of return on the S&P over 75 years, 10 12%, actually 12%. I would be willing to bet that once you factor in the 2000 period and then this period, the rate of return on the S&P over that period from the crash, 29, or even 26, up through today, I'd be willing to bet might have gone under double digits. So we're now looking potentially at a rate of return on the S&P over this time period of about 9%. And it's going to go not, down. It's going to keep going down. It, it potentially could. If things really do continue to, to fall, it will go down. And, and so the, what does that do in terms of the return offered on a structured settlement where you have the certainty, you don't have the roller coaster, uh, is risk worth giving up two, two and a half points? Yeah, I think so. Well, here, here's a good question that you just brought up, Chris. You know, we talked about in our Unique Investor Show, we talked about one of the things that you know, unique investors need the least of, and that's risk. Oh, absolutely. So, so, I mean, let's take a look at that. I mean, let's put it on the table. Didn't risk crash the markets? I mean, isn't that what this is all about to well, some again, degree? You, yes, but that's what risk is. That's the point, you know. I mean, risk is the opportunity for failure, and that's what happened. Uh, people did not understand the investments. And, and you know, you talk about uh, uh, learning points just over and over and over again. Here we had professionals, that's what we would call them, professionals who did not understand the fundamental nature of the investments they were promoting. There's no question about that, Chris. And, and even beyond that, which you had a lot of esoteric and unique investments that nobody understood, even among something as simple as mutual fund mark, the mutual fund marketplace, out of 1,700 mutual funds last year, only one made money. And that was 0.4%. There you are. It wasn't even a 1%. I mean, so we had all these, and I'm talking even last year and the year before, as Bill and I would go and try to do a structured settlement, there'd be a financial advisor saying, oh, we can do much better for you in the marketplace. You know, you would think that their credibility is pretty shot, wouldn't you? Well, the big problem, honestly, as I see it, is that nobody really knows. I mean, let's point to another element in the news, Bernie Madoff. I mean, you have sophisticated investors who were willing to simply accept this guy's word for what was going on. They did not get complete statements. In good markets and bad markets, he always returned 12%. This did not create any kinds of alerts, any kinds of questions, any kinds of issues in the minds of the investors. And they're supposed to be sophisticated investors. So what does that tell us 
about the knowledge base of most people. You know, that, that's a case study unto itself. I mean, oh, that, yeah. That is such, a, that is such an unbelievable story. But it, it applies here because, yeah, you know, this is what you're dealing with. What do people know? In point of fact, even ones that claim to be professionals know, frankly, very little. Absolutely. Remember, what are we trying to do? We're trying to predict the future, okay? If I could predict the future as these people claim they can, guess what? I'm not the one who would be on the East Coast and you guys on the West Coast. Exactly. We'd both be with you in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, there that's exactly right. Well, let's take a quick break right now, Chris, and, uh, and uh, we'll be right back in about a minute. And we have a lot more to talk about. This is a very fascinating subject. So uh, let's take a break. Did you know the number of listeners to Ringler Radio doubled in 2008? Thanks to our loyal listeners and welcome to all our new listeners as well. This is Ringler Radio. Legal information, trends, and topics from Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Wrangler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 140,000 cases structured. This is Wrangler Radio from Wrangler Associates, placing more than $20 billion in structures over the past 30 years and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you could download Wrangler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to Ringler Radio. It's free. This is Ringler Radio, celebrating three years on the Legal Talk Network with topics important to the legal community. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, your host, and I'm glad you joined us today because we're talking about a very interesting topic and so appropriate in today's environment, structured settlements and the economic meltdown. And uh, our returning guest, uh, Dr. Christopher Coyne, uh, who's an expert on this subject uh, from St. Joseph's University. He's been a guest here before. We're having a wonderful conversation. And with my co-host, my co-host, Bill Wakeley from Philadelphia. Uh, Chris, let me ask you this question. Has this economic climate affected the needs of our unique investor class um i'm not sure how you're defining that well have, have the needs have the needs of our of our you know when we talk about our unique investors these are the these are the people who are receiving let's say structured settlements people injured in these cases uh they have they have certain needs to to be met which is risk-free they need to be uh right. they need to have money for the long term right. they need to have money right. that they can count on they can predict uh, this economic climate has really affected the 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 way monies are, are are invested and the way their returns are there. But have they affected the actual needs? Needs really have stayed the same, haven't they? Yeah, that you know, we get back to the point that I think we made in one of the earlier shows. Let's let's focus on that unique investor. What is the purpose of this settlement? This is an individual that can no longer work. The settlement is supposed to be a lifetime of earnings and compensation, medical compensation, and things like that for a very, very serious injury. And, you know, there are medical advances that allow people to live much longer lives, even with very serious kinds of injuries and other serious medical problems. They're expensive, Mm -hmm. but there they are. And, And these are future needs. And we get back to the point that we made earlier in the show 
about predicting the future. People cannot predict the future. I mean, that is, again, the the obvious conclusion from what's happened uh, recently. If people could have predicted this, guess what? We wouldn't have lost these billions of dollars of net worth in the market meltdown because everybody would have gotten out of it and gotten into something else. No question about that. Hey, you know, guys, let's. Uh, we're talking a lot of gloom and doom here because that's what's in the news, and that's what's uh, you know what you pick up the newspaper every day. But let's let's kind of try and wrap up the show with a positive note. Uh, I want to play a clip here. That's uh, a clip of President Obama's first weekly address on his outlook on the economy. No one policy or program will solve the challenges we face right now, nor will this crisis recede in a short period of time. But if we act now and act boldly. If we start rewarding hard work and responsibility once more, if we act as citizens and not partisans and begin again the work of remaking America, then I have faith that we will emerge from this trying time even stronger and more prosperous than we were before. Thanks for listening. So I guess what we have to tell everybody out there in, in, in Radio Land and our listenership areas is that, that we need to have hope. You know, is this the advice you have for our listeners out there, Chris? Not only hope, but confidence. I mean, the the markets are based on exactly that. One of the reasons that the markets, the financial markets, have done what they've done is because the people with the money, and there's money out there to lend. I mean, there's definitely money out there to lend. But the people with the money don't know who they can trust anymore. When the companies that they always trusted said, up, oh, we can't pay you back, it creates a big issue for them, you know. When when they're creating loans that require no verification, they're practically throwing money at people. We now have a situation where, where these people actually have to work. They actually have to make reasonable assessments about who is to get this money and, and whether they're going to be able to be paid back and things of that sort. So you're returning to that more conservative uh, approach. But once people do get that, idea of hope and get that confidence back, things will continue to move, continue to pick up and, and move on. So as I said, I'm an optimist. I mean, I, I really am. I, I think that, uh, as I said, I think we, we if we haven't seen the worst of it, it's pretty close. But I still think at this point, because of all the talk and all of this and all of that, I, I think we're, we're past the point, the nadir, and, and I think we're on our way. Well, you know, it's it's very interesting that the lawyers that represent claimants in these cases are always concerned about, you know, making sure that they're they're doing the right thing for their client. They're, of course, they're not just concerned about the client, but they're concerned about any malpractice yeah, back against them. Right. So, so right. they are they are naturally, and I, I can understand it, also understandably uh, very uh, wary about what to do. We as brokers have the responsibility, in my view, to, you know, educate these lawyers as to the security of our product as to how it compares with these other uh, you know more risky uh, scenarios you talked about and and certainly on a long-term basis i think our rate of return is terrific so uh, what is there anything we can do from you from your perspective to to help drive that home to uh, the lawyers out there who represent these individuals to to make them see the light well you know, it get, again, the same point. Uh, nobody can predict the future. Uh, the, the prudent man rule, you know, the, the ideas about ERISA and, and, and all that sort of thing. That doesn't mean that some bizarre event is still not going to occur. I mean, uh, that you, you can't predict 
these things, and no one should be expected to be able to predict them. So what do you do? You put yourself in the safest position that you can. That's really the answer to this issue, to this question. If, if, you, if you were in this situation, what would you like to have done? You would like to be in the safest position possible. Exactly. And, and that avoids that, that potential risk and that avoids that volatility and that avoids, you know, this, this puts the annuity puts the problem for these things on somebody else. It's not your problem. You have an agreement that you're going to receive this amount of money. In fact, that should make life very nice because you know what you've got. You can budget. You know what you have to spend. It's the sleep factor, as I like to call it. Yeah, you go to sleep sleep at night knowing that you're going to get paid your your monthly check at the end of each month. In all candor, as long as the lawyer out there who represents that that claimant feels that the the life insurance company that's going to be making those payments is going to be viable uh, into the future. That's what's going to make them sleep sleep at night. And so, you know, it's our job, I think, to to re-educate them as to the security and the and the regulations that are surrounding these life insurance companies and these very state uh, entities. Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's, that's going to be too. that's going to make a big difference because yeah. uh, we can talk about hope, and Bill did talk about hope, and we should have hope, but you know, we're we're kind of in a much more reality based world right now, and I think we have to uh, give people facts. And again, you know, it's predicting the future. Nobody can do it. If people could predict the future, events that it, that have happened wouldn't have happened. It's true. It's Who's true. going to put themselves in those kinds of situations? You know, who would who would sit and watch their retirement savings decline by forty percent if they knew that that was going to happen? You can't. Well, you know, you know, you're you're talking about a lot of people that have been suffering right now. So hopefully, those people who have taken structured settlements in the past will uh, at least have that as their, their safety net. And uh, as we move forward, we hope uh, people really see the light and, uh, and entertain that again and again and again. All right, with that, I want to wrap up this show. And uh, thank you very much, Chris, for, uh, for uh, joining us again today. If someone wanted to talk to you or get in touch with you to learn, because I know you can predict the future, how would they do that? <laughs> uh, I can be reached by email at uh, ccoyne at sju.edu, or uh, my phone number at school is uh, 610-660-1668. And I just have to say very quickly, it's always a pleasure being on with you guys. These uh, conversations are are really uh, uh, enjoyable and and charged with an awful lot of uh, really good information. I hope our audience can appreciate it. I I appreciate that, too, and uh, you've been a terrific uh, guest. Uh, Bill Bill Wakely, our Terrific uh, co-host. How would they re- people reach you if they need to? Larry, uh, by phone, 610-834-5553, and uh, always by email, bwakeley, B-W-A-K-E-L-E-E, at wranglerassociates.com. Great. And in case you're a first-time listener, and uh, I guess everybody out there should know that every Ringler radio show can be downloaded from our website, wranglerassociates.com, which, by the way, you can also find where I'm at, Larry Cohen. And uh, also on the LegalTalkNetwork.com. Or, you know, another great way to do it is to go to iTunes, if you can get to that uh, on your computer. And you can actually uh, listen right on the computer itself or download onto your iPod and uh, take it with you everywhere you go. It's a really great way to learn a lot about a lot of great subjects. So once again, thanks for listening. Now go out and have a great day.
Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. 